And so if you have your Bibles or your phones, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. As we continue our Precious Marriage series. And tonight the, the theme or the topic is the precious crown and God's grace. Um, just to kind of give you a quick backdrop of First Peter, um, if you heard Mary's been able to share a little bit uh, about why First Peter was written. Um, and it was written to the Christian churches in Asia Minor because of the uh, persecution that was happening at the, at the time. Roman Emperor Nero was using the Christians as, as scapegoats to fulfill his agenda in Rome. What he would do is he would burn down the buildings so he can build new buildings up in his name. And he had to blame somebody. He wouldn't blame himself, so he blamed who? The Christians. And because he, burnt, he, he, um, he uh, blamed the Christians, the Christians were, uh, the Romans were, were hostile towards the Christians. And then therefore the, start, the persecution started. And Peter is, is writing to the church, uh, encouraging the church that in the midst of the persecution, we need to keep going on. You know, and I thought about, you know, um, just this whole uh, book on, on Peter's like, we're not going through any persecution as a church. You know, maybe in China or, 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 or other countries like that or India that are being persecuted. But yet I realized like, hey, wait, our marriages are being persecuted. You know, the, the, the enemy is not happy. The enemy wants to see, kill and destroy. And he starts at home and he starts with you and he starts with me and your marriages. So very applicable tonight. Hope you're encouraged uh, as Lord ministers. So First uh, Peter chapter 5, 1 through 7, it says, The elders who are among you, I exhort you. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. To shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not for being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief priest appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares, all your fears, all your concerns upon the Lord because he cares for you. Amen? Yes. Amen. And we're going to start with my, my bride, and then uh, I'll be back to share. I'm at that age now where I need these. <laughs> All right, so verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort you, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. The one word that stood out to me in that one scripture was attitude. What was Peter's attitude? Peter was coming to the church as a brother, as an elder, and as a fellow believer. He was coming to them at their level, 
He wasn't coming and approaching him like, hey, I'm Peter the Rock, check out my Jesus card. He was like, me too, I'm right there with you. I identify with you. I'm going through the same struggles that we will all have as believers. I'm in the refiner's fire, and we will see what's going to come forth with, as we go through our troubles. Peter was telling his brothers and sisters, I'm right there with you. And one uh, little phrase that kept coming out is just trying to, to put this together was a wife check. And my wife check was, what is my attitude towards my husband? Are we one team? Do I look down at him? Peter was at their level, and sometimes if we're spiritually more spiritually mature than our husbands, it's easy to, to look down and maybe be condescending. And if I am more spiritually mature, is my approach gentle? Am I encouraging my husband's growth? Or am I beating him with the Bible? Does my husband know that I'm on his side? And this isn't something like, yeah, but you don't. There's no yeah, buts. It's either a wife check, yes or no. First John, I'm sorry, John, <laughs> Revelations 1.9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance that are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony about Jesus. What stood out to me was the perseverance that is in Jesus. And although um, I know Pastor Pat and Mary were talking about suffering, we have the engagement ring, we have the wedding ring, and then we have the suffering well, we're in this marriage marathon together because we have the Lord as our husband first and foremost, but the Lord is the one that's going to give us the strength to love our husbands. Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for the dishonest gain, but eagerly. The word that stood out to me was care. And what is care? Care for the flock. We're to nurture, show concern for, tend, nurse, provide for, cherish, watch over, watch for, look after, be interested in, upkeep, maintain, repair, overhaul, and lead. So, what has God entrusted to you? I have a husband. I have some crazy loud lambs at home. At one point, I was a stay-at-home mom, so my ministry was there at the home. Are you a working mom or a working, working woman? Your ministry will include your work office. Is there ministry at, that, at church that the Lord has entrusted you with? And even the talents and giftings that he's given you. Are you caring for those things that he's entrusted you? Entrusted means to assign, trust, delegate, hand over. And one thing that he's entrusted us with as wives is he's entrusted our husband's hearts to us. Proverbs 31.11 says, The part of, a, of her husband trusts in her and he lacks nothing of value. Proverbs 31.12, She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Proverbs 12.4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but she who causes shame is like a decay in his bones. And I had another wife check. Am I a crown to my husband's 
head or am I decayed to his bones? Verse 2 goes on again. Watch over your flock willingly, not grudgingly. Willingly means freely, eagerly, keenly, enthusiastically, happily, cheerfully, cooperatively, and voluntarily. It's not something that I have to do. It's something that I get to do. Um, when we were dating and when we first got married, we were at another church, and I was that little fat sheep on the pew that didn't serve. And my husband finally said, we need to start serving. This is our home church. This is where we're being fed. We need to do something. And one of the things at Shepherd School we were taught and we, were, we learned was it's not I, I, I work in ministry, I work in children's ministry, I work in the janitorial ministry. It's something that I get to do. I have the opportunity to serve the Lord and his little lambs. I have the opportunity on Saturdays to go clean the church and toilets and sweep and mop. It's something that I get to do as a wife. My primary ministry is to love and to serve my husband. Acts 20, 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and the entire flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherdesses. Sorry, that's, I added that. Of the church of God, which Jesus purchased with his own blood. Our flock, our husbands, were an expensive price for the Lord Jesus. He sacrificed his own blood. John 21, 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you sacrificially, unconditionally love me more than these? And Peter replied, yes, Lord. You know I brotherly love you and hold you in high regard. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you sacrificially, unconditionally love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I brotherly hold you in high regard. I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, are you even my friend? Do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know I only brotherly love you, and I only hold you in a high regard. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus' level of love surpassed Peter's level. And if we're going to love our husbands on our own level, our, <laughs> it's going to run kind of uh, thin sometimes. But we always have to have that Jesus level of love. And the wife check I got was Jesus' love of Level of love extends grace, forgiveness. It looks past attitudes, moodiness. Do I have this level of love in my heart for my husband? And do I have it often? Verse 2 continues again. Watch over your flock willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it. One of my favorite verses um, is Colossians 3, 24, uh, 23 to 24. And it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and the master you are serving is Christ. I love that because even on our days that we're having um, a little bit of friction in our fellowship, um, I just know, okay, Lord, he's yours. And just 
Help me to love him. Help me to be gracious. Watch over your flock willingly and not grudgingly, not for what you get out of it, because I am eager to serve God. Am I willfully and wholeheartedly and enthusiastically serving my husband because the Lord has asked me? And the wife check on that part was, it's one thing to say I love Jesus, but the real test is my willingness to serve him and the flock that the Lord has given me. And verse 3, nor is being lords over those who entrust it to you, being examples to the flock. Don't lord it over the people God assigned to your care. Be approachable. As wives, I know we have hormones, we got craziness going on, we have attitudes and moodiness, we have bad days, we have good days. Be approachable, and with God's help, <laughs> he could help us. 2 Corinthians 1.24, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want you to work together, we want to work together with you so you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. As wise, we need that spirit-filled life. We need that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, and faithfulness. If we don't, we're going to have that self-filled life. And that the opposite of those fruits are hate, despair, chaos, impatience, harshness, roughness, meanness, being out of control, self-indulgent, and disloyal. We have a little one that likes to eat. He's kind of funny. And um, he complains every time that we have to go grocery shopping, but yet he eats the most. Um, this morning he wanted a banana. And so we're like, dude, get the other bananas. I don't want those bananas. Those are rotten. They're the ones that are just a little bit more ripe and a little bit more sweet. But it's kind of funny how we want that nice yellow banana and not that yucky molded one. We need to be those wives that aren't moldy and yucky and full of dots, but we need to be that nice, sweet, and appealing banana. As a wife, we also need to be kind. 1 Corinthians 4.21, which do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love or with a gentle spirit? <laughs> I choose a love and gentle spirit. Um, I work um, for Los Angeles County, and um, I've been in my position for a year, and there's a lot of um, porcupine people I work with. Um, I came as a secretary and another secretary at my level. Um, I'm actually at a higher position as, you know, he is a bureau chief. Um, as a secretary, she is a porcupine. Um, just how she, she communicates, and it's like, Lord, just help me to be gracious with her. And it's just a reminder, like how a snarky email, it's like, dude, you don't have to respond like that. As wise, just we have to watch our tones. I know we have hormones. We have, trust me, I know, my poor dear husband, you need to pray for him. Um, but just be kind. We also need to put on love and walk in love. In Colossians 3, Colossians, Colossians, Colossians 3, 12 through 16, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive any complaints you may have against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, 
and over all of these other virtues put on love, which is the bond of perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, for to this you were called as members of one body, and be thankful, let the word of Christ rich, richly dwell within you. So the wife check on that scripture was, what kind of shepherdess am I? What is the condition of my flock and of my husband? And verse 3 continues, lead them by your own good example. 1 Peter 3, 4 says, rather it, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in Christ's sight. Ephesians 4, 9, let no one wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that is what is helpful for building up one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. Does my life and my mannerisms, my tones, do they con uh, and my conduct, do they reflect Christ? Verse 4. <laughs> Verse 4, I have it here. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Um, not too long ago, we had an opportunity to take our kids to go mining um, there was a lot of, they received this little tray, and there was a lot of dirt, there was a lot of sludge, and the guy showed my, my kids, okay, you're going to dip it in the water, and you're going to swirl it around, don't dump it all out, you just gently swirl it around. And as they were working the water out, it became, un um, little jewels and specks of color were starting to come uncovered and we were all like screaming and freaking out and we'd put in some more water and we'd swish it and more things would come out and my kids would just pe uh, pick it up and I mean they filled a pretty cool big bag and I mean, it was pretty fat of jewels that they were mining and it was a lot of work and I remember another mom she was another heavy set mom and she's like oh this is backbreaking I'm like right we need chairs um, but it was a lot of work to go through there was a lot of sludge and we were pretty much amazed at what was washed away and what was uncovered. The word of God is like that. It's the water that washes the sludge of life and sometimes what marriage can bring to it. As we dip into it each day, the Holy Spirit will show us those little nuggets and he will enable us to love our husbands better, give him more grace, and to serve the Lord better. On, in September, my husband, um, we had our little own personal Mr. Miyagi. It was my husband's Japanese uncle, um, sweet old man. He was so awesome. 90 years old, and he was gardening. I mean, he would have the little seed, seedlings, and he'd have everything written in Japanese, and we'd just have these little baby plants, and he'd go and he'd, I mean, every day, that was his, his job. He would go out. From 6 o'clock in the morning, he'd say, bye, Carolina. And when I'd come back, maybe about 5 o'clock, you know, he's still there. And he's drinking his tea, just enjoying what he did. This past weekend, so September, he passed away. And it's been really sad just seeing our garden. There's a lot of weeds, a lot of unkept stuff. I don't have a green thumb. And this last weekend, my husband was working in the yard. And I was like, you know what, let me just start pulling some weeds. There is a lot of ugly weeds and just these little plants. There is this weed about this tall. I couldn't pull that weed out. So I started getting these shears or whatever pruning thingy and I was trying to stab it. And as I was pulling it, this 
the roots were like that thick. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And as I'm doing this, the Lord's going like, you see what sin does? And I was like, but not me. Yeah, me. But those weeds, our attitudes, mannerisms, they can kind of creep into our hearts and our minds. There's going to be thorns when a, a, maybe our husbands say something that kind of stings or is insensitive. We're going to have the storms of life, whether it's wayward children, um, secrets that we're keeping, affairs, or even health, uh, cancer. We're going to have those scorching summer days or those freezing nights. As we face each of these obstacles, we need to guard our hearts and our minds and our marriages from these weeds that, although they're just, they look, they're green, there's life. But what they're doing is they're actually choking the life out of the marriage, and it could choke the, the life out of our marriage. As we face our obstacles, we, can, we should build up our faith in marriage and bring glory and honor to the Lord. If we let the weeds fester, they're going to choke the life from our marriage. And one weed in particular, and that was like, wow. It was just this, it was very like, gosh, it was like that. And it was like a little row, but as I pulled it, I ripped this whole thing, and it was like wrapped around the tree, and I was like, and the Lord's like, you see? And I was like, yes, I see. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus as he will be our strength, comfort, and peace, and he'll be our reward. So as a wife check, what do I need to weed, whack, or prune in my own personal life? And then as I was talking about the mining, what am I going to do with that sludge? Am I in, that, in God's word enough to keep washing through the grit and focus and able to focus on the jewels that he's uncovering. In verse 5, In the same way, you younger men, you must accept authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Peter is addressing the younger men, but pride can easily ensnare any heart. As a woman, I know, you know, women submit to your husbands, and the word submission, you kind of stick, you know, sit up straighter, you clear your throat, and you're like, what? Submit? Who? Me? When uh, we first started marriage ministry, um, we, uh, one of the, the ladies opened up her house and she said, you know what? I want to have all the wives come. We're going to pray just what the Lord's going to do in the future. And we also can fellowship and we could get to know each other. And I'm very shy and these ladies are talking and I'm just listening. And, and finally, like, God, what about you? And they were talking about submission. Do you have a problem submitting? And I was like, no, I have no problem submitting. And as I was driving home, like, oh, that sounded really prideful. <laughs> so later on, I was like, yeah, hon, we're talking about this and that. And they were asking if I had issues with submitting. Do I have issues with submitting? And he said, sometimes. I was like, what? <laughs> so the Lord just saying, you know, <laughs> we need to watch our hearts. Colossians 3.18 says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Ephesians 5.22, for wives, this means to submit to your husband as to the Lord. And I know I've heard a pastor's wife, you're like, well, the man is the head, but I'm the neck. It's like easy. Be a gentle neck. Be gracious. Gently turn the head. Don't get all crazy and snapping your neck and, you know, giving yourself whiplash. When I used to work, I, I had, when I first came back to the workforce, I used to work for the sheriff's department, and I had these two ladies that were um, 
talking about their husbands and why he doesn't he do this and this is well this is how I'm gonna be and I would just listen to them and you know talking about socks and cleaning and laundry and taking out trash why can't they do it and I'm like why don't you just say, baby, it's trash night. Can you use your big muscles to take the trash out? Or baby, the laundry's downstairs. Can you take it upstairs, please? And it was funny because my sergeant, I asked him to do it, and he did it. And I'm like, did you thank him? She's like, I did. So it's kind of funny. It's that whole approach, that whole, the, what kind of neck am I? Don't be a stiff neck, snapping the neck, or whiplash neck. Be a gracious head turner. It also goes on to um, say, serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. Remember, ladies, as we're serving our husbands, we're serving Jesus. Verse 6, so humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Submission requires humility, and with that humility lies great quiet strength proverbs 29:23 a man's pride will bring him low but a humble spirit will obtain honor luke 1:52 he has brought down rulers from their thrones but he has exalted the humble and one of my favorite verses 2 corinthians 7:12 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And what I kind of took that as, Lord, I'm going to come before you. I'm going to intercede not only for my marriage. I'm going to inter intercede for my, my husband, for my flock. And I know that as I, I'm faithfully coming to you, that you can bring healing and restoration to my marriage land. Hebrews 11.6, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Am I seeking him diligently every day, moment by moment? Or is it just the 911, hey God, I got this issue. Seek him diligently, moment to moment, every day. In verse 7 it says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. And give is to lay down to leave, to offer, present, provide, bequeath, assign, furnish, impart, share, and pass to, or tag Jesus, you're it. And it says to give all of our worries. All is all, and that's all all means. It's not just 10%. We're going to tithe our worries to him. We're not going to save a portion, and we're not going to give him a trial size to see what he's going to do with it. The things that we need to be giving to the Lord is any doubts, any qualms, any uncertainties, any reservations, fears, anxieties, concerns, bothers, troubles, tensions, burdens, stresses, and unease. It's not a one-and-done deal. I gave it to him, but he didn't do anything with it. It's a continual process of giving these things to the Lord. It's going to be daily. It's going to be hourly. And if you're like me, it's going to be minute to minute. Sometimes it could even take year to year. He's not going to answer um, according to, hey, you got five minutes to show up, God. It's going to take that marathon marriage to show, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm working 
Um, one of the shows that we recently started watching was, um, I don't, it was uh, Deadliest Catch. One of the, the, the guys, the captains passed away. Now his son is out in Hawaii trying to catch um, mahi mahi, tuna, ahi tuna. So these big old giant fish. So they're throwing, they're casting their line in and these fish like put up like a huge fight. And uh, like the Lord is just saying, you know, like you're supposed to cast it, but you see these guys just fighting these fish. And I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's pretty funny, like what they're having to do. And it's like how we do that. We have that tug of war, like, no, Lord, I want you to have it, but no, I want you to do it like how I want to do it. The burden can easily pull us overboard into fear, anxiety, depression, and despair. We need to recognize, okay, Lord, I'm going to lay it down. And again, it's going to be moment by moment, whatever issues or things that might be going on in your marriage. For us, we have a son that's a prodigal, and uh, it's been a long couple of years, but I know that uh, he can't escape the Lord. He's been dedicated to the Lord, and I know that my, my son is building his testimony. So it's not, again, in our time, like, I want, like, am I a grandma? Like, what's going on? You know, but I know that the Lord has my son. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We need to recognize those thoughts and worries and anxieties, and we need to immediately cast them to the Lord and let go of the fishing pole. As a wife check, what am I holding on to? What worry is stealing my peace? We need to recognize it, give it to the Lord. He's just waiting for you to give it to him. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, man, your turn. Amen. 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 Elders who are among you, I exhort you, for, uh, five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort you. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Again, my, what my wife was sharing is about uh, the eldership that Peter addresses here, the spiritual, mature Christians that he's reaching after, the, the leadership, in essence, of the Christian churches that were in that area. He's exhorting them. First, he has identified himself as a fellow elder, uh, not someone uh, over them, but someone that comes alongside them in that position of, of leadership. Uh, my wife and I are, are fellow elders. You, brothers and sisters, are fellow elders in the Lord. Um, but we're all imperfect, amen? We're all sinners. We all have um, shortcomings in our marriages, in our relationships, and we're not perfect. We're a work in progress. So I love how Peter identifies himself as a fellow elder, not someone that's over, but someone that's alongside you on the same level, you know. And he talks about being a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And I like that because not only is he identifying himself as an elder, but is also identifying himself as a one that was there with the Lord and witnessed his suffering. And what speaks to me in this area 
is that Peter not only seen the crucifixion and the torture and the pain and, and the resurrection, but you think about all that he's seen, but yet one thing that stood out to him and one thing that stood out for us is what God did on the cross for us, what he did for each one of us. 1 Peter 4 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the same flesh, arm yourself with that same mind. Put that same mind of what God has done in each one of our lives. Um, when we do that, we, we don't take our spouses for granted. When we do that, we, we count the cost. Um, it caused me to take into account what Jesus did for, for me, for you, for us. Do we take into account his suffering? Do we bring Christ into our relationship and realize that, you know what? He suffered for me. What am I going to do? How am I going to repay him back? Marriage is not perfect. It's, it's full of trials and full of sufferings and full of things that we go through. But yet, because we realize when we compare our marriages to the cross and what Jesus did for us, man, you know what? No matter what I go through, it's going to be nothing compared to what God has done for me. Romans 5a says, God proves his love for us while we're still sinners. He died for us. And that's an amazing how Peter's talking about, you know, not only my fellow elder, but also, you know, um, uh, a witness of his suffering. You know, and that's, and that kind of like, like, that's kind of stirring. I love how he starts that foundation in chapter 5. An elder, but a witness of his suffering. And he's commanding uh, exhorting the church. It says, shepherd, in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Peter was called to shepherd the flock of God. My wife went through John 2, Simon, son of Jonah, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter understood that. But yet, in John 21, did Peter understand what he was doing? <laughs> no. You know, but it took some time, it took some growth, some spiritual growth in his life, on his end, to be that shepherd that God has called him to do. But now he, the awesome thing is, now you see this bold Peter exhorting the believers to take care of their flocks, to take care of their sheep. Christians at times were all, at that time they were scattered, they were scared, they were without leadership. But Peter was saying, you have to take care of them. Who else? When we said, I do, and I hope all of you guys said, I do, men, in your vows, you became shepherds. As a shepherd, you're called to feed, to tend, to take care, to protect, and to love our wives responsibly. And it's something that the Lord has enlisted each one of us to do. When you said, I do, I do what? I do promise. I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to love her. But I'm going to shepherd her. I'm going to take care of her out of eagerness to care for them, not of obligation. And I was putting these thoughts together. One thing happened yesterday with my wife. She went to go, and I'm not trying to talk trash about this place, but if you go there, praise the Lord, keep going. The meat is great. It's La Venadita in Carson. Anyways, great meat, you know. Anyways, my wife, she doesn't speak fully Spanish. She, she does, she's not, you know. She knows some words, you know, she knows how to order food and all that stuff, but she doesn't know how to speak Spanish, you know. Anyways, the, the guy at the counter where she was ordering her meat, 
Um, she was trying to communicate in Spanish, but it wasn't quite coming out, so she was talking to him in English, and he was talking to her in Spanish. Anyways, he, got a, he, he started mocking her. It's like, you don't speak Spanish? What's wrong with you, you know? <laughs> and uh, he started kind of talking trash, and, it's like, and also, uh, he was also including the other guys at the, at the counter. It's like, he, she doesn't speak Spanish, you know? So my wife went from, you know, Amela Venadita, you know, angels singing because she gets ceviche and she's just enjoying her time to just like, man, I, I ran out of there because I was ashamed. And I thought about that as a, as a husband. It's like, how, do you, how does that make you feel? Man, I was bummed out. I was like, man, I'm going to go over there and sock this guy. Man, who do you think he is talking to my wife? But then I was like, no, that's not the Christian attitude. <laughs> but then this morning I was like, hey, you know what? Let me call them. Let me call the manager. Let me let them know this guy's attitude, this guy's heart. And, and sure enough, the manager was very apologetic. I'm sorry for that this happened. And he's like, you know what? I'll talk to the guy. I know the guy. I'll talk to him. That way it doesn't happen again. And I'm sorry. You know? And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I, we have to care for our wives. We have to watch over them. You know? Because a lot of the time, it's like, you know what? They can't defend themselves. They can't stand up for themselves. You know? So... Next time I go there, I'm going to start mad-dogging people. And, you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, just shepherd the flock of God that we have been given. Verse 3 says, Nor as being lords over them, lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Again, Peter could use that position. Well, I was with Jesus. You know, I was one of his the 12 disciples. You know, Peter, uh, Jesus told me that I was going to... Uh, and, uh, with him, I was, Peter said he was going to build a church upon me. And, and I was the witness of the transfiguration. I was with Jesus. I witnessed Jesus, Moses, Elijah. Man, I was, I, was, I was his guy. I was an apostle. But Peter didn't do that. And I find that interesting. He took the low road. He took that, you know what? The road of humility. Hey, guys, I'm just like you. I'm an elder. I don't need positions. And I think in marriage, we have to be careful, you know, when we lord it over our relationship, our wives, to behave that, you know, we're, we're more dominant or we're better than they are or we're stronger or whatever the case may be. Don't think higher of yourselves. Don't be pharisaical, you know. I checked my heart. It's like, you know what? No, it's, it's we're both in the same, same level. We're in the same playing field. Husband's not over his wife. The Bible says we're to be over them spiritually, not physically. We're the head of our home. But we have to treat them lovingly. 1 Peter 3.7 says, Husbands, give your honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be the weaker vessel than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift. I love that because it doesn't exalt the man. It brings the man down. You know, to the same level as our wives. It's no longer my way, my needs, my desires, but our way, our needs, and our desires. Our wives have been entrusted to us. We get married to have a lifetime partner, a companion, but also that our marriage reflect love, humility, servanthood, the same attributes, the same things that the Lord showed Peter. He showed us in his word. It, so we're called to be examples of the flock. The word example is, is, is basically is to be a model, to be a figure. He's like, you know what? 
That's the, that's the couple that I've, I've raised up. That's the couple that I want to glorify. That's the couple that I want to use. If you were here last week, you had a blessed opportunity to listen to James and Tina's testimony. It was powerful. It's powerful. God had used two people, two sinners, broken relationship, calling it quits, throwing in the towel. But guess what God did? He restored them. He healed them. But now look at them. They're a model. They're an example of God's grace, love, and mercy. What are others seeing in our relationship? Do they see love? Do they see kindness? Do they see humility? And this is the hard one. Are we worth imitating? Do others see, especially, you know, our little lambs at home, you know, others see, you know, uh, that I love mom. I love my wife. Do they get grossed out when we start kissing and stuff in the living room in front of them, you know? Your grandkids, you know, they need to see that. They need to say, you know what? When I get married, I want a marriage like that. Husbands, we have called to lead our flock and to be faithful. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us, offering a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. And that is our marriage, a fragrant aroma. And again, marriage isn't easy. It took... I think, I think 19 years to get to where we're at being married, you know, um, 19 years. And, and it took a lot of work. And it takes a lot of work to have a, a, a marriage that loves God and a marriage that is full of humility. But there's a place where we get to the point that, you know what, my marriage, it, it's strong right now. You know, I couldn't do marriage without my wife, the, the, her person and who she is. You know, this last year has been very troublesome for us as a family. You know, losing our, our Mr. Miyagi, our, our close aunt, a, a mom with a stroke, uh, an aunt with terminal cancer, um, questions if we're going to have a job tomorrow. You know, you know uh, this whole COVID thing has been pretty crazy. You know, wearing masks and all this junk and stuff, you know. But it's been very difficult for us, you know. But even in the midst of it, guess what we did? We interlocked arms, we walked together, we trusted God, and God has seen us through this. You know, how? I don't know. But God has been faithful. Verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. There is a reward waiting for us. And Christ returns, he will reward those shepherds, those leaders, those husbands, with the unfading crown of glory. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So we make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal, our aim to please him. Likewise, you young people, verse 5, Submit yourself to the elders. Yes, all of you submit to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. This is for all the young couples, but also all the older, all the seasoned couples. Submit to one another in the reverence of Christ. Young couples, if you see an older couple, you know, that's been walking with the Lord for a while, tuck under them. Hey, how do you do marriage? What's, what's different in your relationship? I see you guys don't yell at each other. You're happy when you're here. You're happy at home. What does that look like? And let them tuck underneath you to be those examples. 
that they too would grow and mature into the couples that the Lord has called them to be. Ephesians 5.20 says, Submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. Reverence that deep respect for something, someone or something. As believers, since we reverence our Lord Jesus, our responsibility would be to have that same reverence, respect towards each other. And I love that because we're in, in that submission, there is that reverence. This is what God did for me. This is how I'm going to act. But also it tells us, put on humility. Humility is hard. Colossians 3 told says, since God chose you to be holy people, he loves holy people he loves, you clothe yourself with tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Humility is hard to achieve. But it says, not my will, not my will, Lord, your will. The Webster Dictionary says humility is the freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. What does humility look like in our marriages? Humility acknowledges, acknowledges your weaknesses with a repentful attitude. Humility in marriage looks like putting each other first, putting my wife above myself. Humility in marriage looks like accepting godly counsel because the word says in the multitude of counsel there is safety. Seeking that help. Humility looks like in marriage, admit when you're wrong. Honey, please forgive me with a genuine heart. Humility in marriage looks like offering an acceptance of forgiveness. And this is a big one because if we can't let go of the past, we're going to relive it and relive it and relive it. But humility says, you know what? The past is the past. This is our future. Letting go of those things from that, that ensnare us or trap us, as the Bible says. Humility in marriage models Jesus' way of humility. Humility in marriage models Jesus in humility. And you repeat it over and over again that your humility would be evident. It also said that God resists the proud. Proverbs 11, 2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame. But with, humble, but with the humble is wisdom. Pride, listen guys, listen. Pride separates us from God. Pride separates us from God. Pride can ruin your marriage. We fail to address pride in our lives. It will be like a cancer. You know, like my, my aunt, you know, I, I got a call from my sister saying, uh, the doctor said that, you know, our aunt has terminal cancer, stage four. It's like, man, I'm thinking, well, can thera- uh, chemotherapy, radiation, what can be done? And then she says, he only gave her like six months to live. And I was like, oh, mercy. You know, but it reminded me how Pride can be that cancer in our relationship. Pride can say, you know what, you've hardened your heart so much, there's no room for growth. There's no room to heal. But recognizing the pride, recognizing that infection in your relationship. The warnings of pride are this. You stop listening as individuals. You isolate yourself. You start blaming others. You don't take on the responsibilities. 
you stop hearing from the Lord. And those are very dangerous places to be in a relationship. Because God resists the proud. And that's a, that's a scary place to be when God resists the proud. Because God says, you know what? Okay, do what you want to do. And he covers his ears. He says, you know what? You're acting in disobedience. There's a sin in your life. You need to deal with that sin before we can continue moving forward in that growth. But I love this part. But God gives grace to the humble. God forgives. God says, you know what? No matter what you've done, I can forgive you. God gives us an opportunity to make it right. His grace that we don't deserve when we blow it, when we talk down to our spouses, when our anger gets men, when our anger gets the better of us, when our mouths shoot off, when we repent, God forgives us. And that's awesome because the Lord gives grace to the humble. Humility allows God to move in your lives and in your marriages. True humility is not a feeling but a state of mind where a person sets his or her course to submit to God regardless of their feelings. Regardless how I feel, regardless of what I think, God says, walk in humility. Be humble. Don't let your anger go down your, when you go to sleep. Be mindful of that. Verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Therefore humble yourselves in due time. I like that key word, therefore. For the reason, the consequence, the action, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And you make this, you make this check in your heart. Not my, not my will, but his will. Not my strength, but his strength. Not my efforts, but his efforts. Not my wisdom, but his wisdom. Not my expectations, but his expectations. Being covered under his hand, his protection, his kindness, his grace. If I want a thriving marriage, if I want a solid marriage, I can't get away from God's hand. I can't get away from that place of grace. And then it says that he may exalt you in due time. He may lift you up. In the midst of our failures, when you humble yourselves, God will lift you up. You say, God, how long am I going to go through this trial? How long are you going to allow my wife to act like this or my husband to act like this? In due time, you need to be faithful to the Lord and allow him to lift you up. Matthew 23, 2 says, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's an awesome thing. There is hope in Jesus. There is hope in the Lord for our marriages. You know, God... Resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. And I love this, this last verse. Verse 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Nobody cares for me. My wife doesn't care for me. My kids don't care for me. But guess what? God cares for you. God loves you. Humility is shown by your willingness to cast your cares upon God. Pride will keep you from reaching out for help. What are you carrying? What are we carrying that we're not letting go? The Lord says, cast, throw. Man, I was like, you know, 
I felt like a pitcher, you know, with all the stuff that, I, that we were dealing with as a family. I just kept on throwing, Lord, here you go. Here's another one, Lord, and here's another one, Lord. Carry it because I can't. Help me because I can't. I, I, this burden is too hard. Give it to the Lord. You know, he's a catcher. He's at the end. He's like just fling it to the Lord and, and let, him, let him deal with it. Don't carry it on your own. When you cast something, you don't, look, you look, you don't, don't try to get it back, but just give it to him. Let him deal with your trials, your troubles, your doubts, your fears, and I don't know about you guys, but your anxieties. So last year, crazy anxieties. Don't know what's going to happen, but Lord, I know you do. Don't know what tomorrow holds, but Lord, you do. Was it April? It's like, man, we're just like out for a walk. One thing we got to do during this whole COVID thing is we were at home, not doing anything. So guess what? We would go for walks, and we would talk. And we would say, well, how about if the kids don't start school? You know, how about this? How about that? How long is it going to last? What are we going to do if we lose our jobs? A lot of anxiety was coming our way. But yet, God, a year later, here we are. God was faithful. For he cares for you. Plain and simple, Jesus cares for you. He cares for your marriage. He cares for your families. His desire is that we live healthy and strong marriages. We serve a God that wants to be intimately acquainted with us. Because why? He loves us. He loves us. He wants to bring healing, restoration, renewment in our lives and our relationships. Allow him to renew your passion in your marriage with one another. And it starts in humility. And it starts with removing just the hardness of your hearts, of our hearts, and allowing God to, to do that work. Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much just for this evening, for an opportunity, Lord, just to share your word with your couples. And Lord, for the wives here, Lord, you know what their flock um, consists of. Lord, you know the struggles, you know the burdens, you know the thoughts. We thank you, Lord God, that you know their hearts and their families, their situations intimately, Father. And I pray, Lord, that um, as they go home and Lord, those wife checks, Lord, would you put your spirit between them and their husbands, Lord? And I pray, Lord, that they would have those conversations, Lord, if do I have an attitude problem? Am I submitting? Do you feel that I'm being a support? Lord, I pray that you would just minister to and, Lord, put your spirit between the marriages that are here, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would just bind their hearts together, Lord, and, Lord, that they would... Um, turn to you. They would cast all their cares to you, Lord. Mm. And Lord, that you would just do a, a new work this year, this, uh, this month. And Lord, with all that COVID brought, <laughs> thank you. Thank you that we got that 2020 vision, Lord. Our eyes were like on you like never before. Mm -hmm. So as 2021, as it continues to just unfold and May is right around the corner, would you just uh, do a great work in our marriages, Father? We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. And Father, thank you for, God, just the calling that we have to, to shepherd our flock, to, to be those leaders, Lord, those, those husbands that you've called us to be. God, thank you, Father, that, 
God, there is hope in you, God, that uh, um, what we're going through, uh, maybe those difficult, those challenges in our lives, Lord God, thank you, Father, that they belong to you. God, um, help us, Lord, get as men, God, to uh, be those examples, Lord God, to our flock, Lord, that, God, others would see your love, your grace, and your mercy reflecting through us, Lord God. We know we're not perfect, Lord, but, you God, thank you, Father, that grace and mercy are new every morning, every day, Lord Jesus. And, God, your word tells us, God, that uh, you care for us and you love us, Lord. You love our families and you love our marriages, Lord. So, God, we, we rest in your sovereignty and in your goodness, Lord Jesus, and in the hope that is in you, Father. Thank you that you're not through with us, Lord Jesus, but you desire, Father, that, God, we would, again, just be those models, those examples, Father, that the world would see, Father, that our marriages reflect you, Father. Thank you again for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who ministers and speaks, Lord. Again, help us, God, just to, to be those men and women that you've called us to be, Father. We thank you for First Peter and your words of exhortation. God, help us to grow in them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.